Ain't nobody gonna hand you nothing. Ain't nobody gonna hand you no championship. Ain't nobody gonna hand you no title. So this is my year. I end. This is my year. Listen to me. Say, be phenomenal. This is it. I want you to chant it out. This is it. Be phenomenal or be forgotten. One, two, three. Be phenomenal. Be forgotten. Welcome to the Southern Blitz College Football Podcast. Buckle up as we preview the biggest college football games across the South, along with your top five matchups of the week. Here are your hosts, Jordan Wallace and Drew Waddell. Well, the Southern Blitz trudges forward um, after another tough week for you in Arkansas, uh, but you know, one thing, one thing in this world that really brings everything back to back to earth is the the recent events at Virginia. Drew, I'm I, I'm sure we you know we talked about it a little bit off the pod, but just a just a tragic situation. For those that haven't seen it, um, three Virginia football players were were killed um, over the weekend by a by a former Virginia football player. Just a just a really rough deal. Yeah, honestly, this is just a, a heartbreaking deal, tragic deal. Um, obviously, we don't know the motives behind everything here, but it does bring football back to earth, makes you realize these these kids are real human people uh, that, you know, have lives and, and things like that. And also, they affect a lot of people and a lot of fans and things like that and family members. And so, just a tragic situation. And so, our thoughts and prayers are for sure out to the University of Virginia, these families. And uh, just hate to hate to see news like that, Jordan, to kick off any any week of college football. Yeah, no, I I can't even imagine what that's what that's like. I mean, for the parents, yeah, just that that team in general. But um, anyway, like like we said, that that kind of brings things back down to earth. It makes makes losing football games not not nearly as important. But yep. again, that's that's what we're here to discuss. So. Um, you know what, Drew? Kick us off with uh, another another Arkansas loss. Tell us what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, I hate to start off one on a somber note, but uh, on a much less serious note, yeah, you know, we're sitting here staring at, at another loss for the Hogs. Uh, I was in person freezing my tail off on Saturday. So the Hogs are 5-5 five and five at this point. Uh, most of you know that listen to this pod, they're avid Razorback fans, K.J. Jefferson did not play on Saturday. Um, we began hearing rumblings of that Friday night that he probably would not play. Um, but, I, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on this, Jordan, because I feel like we're just doing the same old song and dance that we've done 800 times the past couple of weeks. But, yep. you know, it's just the funniest part about it, and we've talked, is, and, and we'll talk about this further too, but Arkansas and Oklahoma are weirdly linked this year, but, um, you know, our defense just showed up in, in style. I mean, Jaden Daniels couldn't do anything all day. Seven sacks, unbelievable performance by this defense to hold LSU to 284 total yards when they just got done having a world-beating performance with against Alabama. And so I do think they had some hangover, obviously, Jordan, uh, from the week before, but unbelievable job by the defense. But – then we matched that with no offense, none. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had no quarterback play. We played the wrong quarterback in Hornsby for the whole first half. Um, I think we can put to bed kind of the 
the rumors of any kind of quarterback comparison there between him and KJ, <laughs> um, you know, but um, – Well, Drew, it, I, you know, you, you, you seem down on the Hogs. But at the same time, you know, outside perspective, <clears throat> you played an LSU team that was ranked number seven, just got done beating Alabama, you know, looking like one of the power teams. You played them with your backup quarterback and you lost yeah. by three. Uh, yeah. You know, again, I, I realize you're upset with the offense, but again, it's your backup quarterback in there. I mean, heck of a – got to tip the cap to the Arkansas defense for keeping them in the game. Yeah, and I, and I, and I did – I've come back to that several times with, with friends and family who we've talked about this game. And, you know, we just – we really almost have to throw this year out, Jordan, because with KJ being out now – two to three games, you have your, your – your, and he was playing hurt several games too. I mean, you cannot judge this team. I mean, we could easily be seven and two, eight and two. I mean, say, you know, seven and three, whatever, but we're not. And it's just yeah. hard to judge this team. But I was extremely proud of that defense. They played hard. They played well. Um, it's easy to get mad, you know. But, you know, folks, we're – you know, Sam Pittman's here today. I, I hate that there's things, there's rumblings behind the scenes. I mean, you cannot judge a team by what happened Saturday. Now, Liberty, you cannot lose to a team like Liberty, which is kind of what started this entire digression. Um, yeah. You know, and Sam said it. In it his it presser on Monday, he said, I I feel way better than I did uh, losing this game than I did against Liberty. And so there's no shame in losing to number seven LSU or I guess number 10 at the time. I will say this, I don't think they're truly a top 10 team. We'll probably find that out at the end of the year, but um, great game by the Hogs on defense. Couldn't do enough. But, uh, hey, you got to get back up because there's no rest for the weary in the SEC. There's still a chance to make a bowl game. And, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I was telling you this week, Jordan, what if, what if the stars align and the Sooners and the Hogs continue their parallels, my friend, into bowl season? What what if we meet each other in bowl? What's this pod going to be like at that point in time, my friend? It'll- It'll be interesting uh, for a pod perspective. I just don't see it happening, Drew, because we clearly can't play each other because one team would actually have to win when the other one lost. Yeah, um, that'd be a again, tie ball game. <laughs> we've talked about it literally every single week. Arkansas wins, OU wins, or vice versa. If they one loses, the other loses. We even had the same bye week this year, Drew. I mean, we yep. have matched each other every <laughs> single week. And, and, and you mentioned throwing this this season out, and I, I as an OU fan, I would be happy throw this season out yeah i'm uh yeah. I, i'm pretty over it i'd rather i'd rather get this thing get this thing done um I, you know one of the scary things that i i was looking at earlier this week so if ou does not win out meaning OU needs to go win this weekend against oklahoma state and bedlam they got to go on the road to lubbock and play tech if they win both of those games and their bowl game this won't come true however if they lose even one of those games they will match the loss total from the last three seasons combined. Oh, painful, dude. Yeah. Painful. Painful. So, and all in one year. You know, you're, you're talking the last three seasons combined, six losses total. And OU's five and five right now. It's, yeah. it's, it's been painful. And, you know, we talked about a little bit off the pod just the reason for it. I, I said at the beginning of the year, OU's D-line was a big question mark to me. I didn't think they had the playmakers there. And they proved it. Throughout the throughout the course of the season, yeah. The the one weird stat that I will say is OU somehow leads the Power Five in tackles for loss, yet they are dead last in the Big Twelve for both sacks and rushing yards, and and dead last in rushing yards allowed as well. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, just yeah, just a really weird weird stat. They've only got six sacks in in seven Big Twelve games. They're averaging less than one sack a game, mm-hmm. and I think you told me what Arkansas has got thirty five through six 35. games. Yeah, we're leading the SEC in sack seven this past weekend. So that, that there's some some comparison for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, we're in a uh, much more uh, you know a, a bigger conference, better conference. Yeah. You know? So it's it's hard to measure those statistics, you know, against each other. But either that, um, or you have worse worse offensive lines. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, that that was mm-hmm. my next point. I tell you, uh, to, to the Hogs' demise, and and I think a lot of other SEC teams that we'll get into here shortly could say this, but the biggest problem with the Razorbacks has been – has killed our run game that has given us an inability to open up the passing game is our O-line has just been atrocious. They got pushed around by Liberty, and they got pushed around by uh, none other than Mr. Harold Perkins himself on Saturday. So, it, you know, it's just – it's one of those things where, you know, certain units, like you're talking about the defensive line, we're talking about the offensive line, it makes you realize how important just one single unit of a team can yeah. play into the overall results. Well, you mentioned Harold Perkins. I believe he had four sacks on uh, on Saturday. Is that correct? Yep. Flu game, yeah. baby. Flu game. And he had the flu. And he, four, had the flu. he had four sacks on Saturday. OU's got six sacks in seven games in the Big 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. It's, uh, it's shocking. It's shocking. Yeah. No so, anyway, no you know, another interesting fact I, I, I looked up, and we're also – the last, last two games that we've lost um, – our opponents are seven for eight on fourth down percentage. So, mm. yeah, when you, you can't get teams off the field, you, you give up points. Um, yep, yep. I, I'm going to yep. bring this in because, I, you know, you and I have talked about the officiating discrepancies with OU and Texas now that oh, they here we go. announced they're leaving the Big 12. Hey, I sent it to you. The Big 12 has now apologized for just a – I don't even know why, the, what their explanation was, but a baffling flag pickup on what is – a blatant personal foul um, that would have forced West Virginia into a fourth and 26 to convert instead of the fourth and 11 that they did convert. Hmm. Um, yeah, it would have been fourth and 26. And that was the game tying touchdown that allowed them to kick the game winning field goal. Yeah. Um, just to, you know, the big, like I said, the big 12 apologized, but that doesn't give us the win. So yeah, it, it's, it's a big bag of nothing for me, but you know, OU, OU got creative with how many ways they could find to lose this game. I mean, it's just on on any given place, somebody did something stupid. Yeah. Um, just drive killing stuff, you know, had a wide open receiver down the field, no one around him and Gabriel just rifles it behind him instead of, instead of lobbing it in for an easy touchdown. Um, that was, that was Marvin Mims. And then later Mims beats his defender deep. Not a defender within 15 yards of him. Gabriel just lobs it in there right on the money, and he just drops it in the end zone for a 40-yard, what would have been a 40-yard touchdown. And it was just – it was a lot of that. OU had a touchdown called back on a third and goal on the five, and there's a little pick route where the tight end, Braden Willis, was supposed to stay behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's the way the play's drawn up so that you can block as a receiver down the field. And he just got upfield too much and caught it about a half yard in front of the line of scrimmage. So they reviewed it, said uh, it was offensive pass interference. They took the touchdown off the board. So you had to settle for a field goal. So it yeah. was just a lot of mental errors, and they just keep adding up. And I will, OU keeps losing games. Yeah, I will tell you this. If you have any hope of getting uh, better treatment, which I, w- I guess the only way of going uh, up is, is you know, you're, you're so far down in the uh, officiating at this point that you can only go up. But the SEC, on so many occasions – 
around the conference Saturday was so poor officiating. I don't know if you watched the Arkansas game, but they called a a first down for LSU when he clearly was at least a yard and a half before. Oh, I I, I saw the play. I know what you're talking horrible, about. Horrible play. And they and reviewed they, it. And, and they reviewed it. I don't know yeah. how they don't reverse that after the review. No, and I mean, I could go around the Kentucky game. I mean, there's so many well, you games saw, had. You saw the Alabama thing. I, I think I sent it to yes. you with the uh, defensive lineman for Alabama just multiple times just shoving Jackson Dart's head yeah. into yeah. the ground. And I think CBS tweeted that, and we know CBS. I, I'm pretty sure CBS is paid by Alabama. So if CBS is tweeting out, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. bad. It's pretty bad. Wow. So, and I've, I've been fully warned by every SEC fan, you know, about Bama privilege and, and how that yeah. works with the officiating in the SEC. So, but hey, you Buckle know what? Up. I'll take it. At least, at least that way we only have one team that, that's get, getting privilege over us instead of just all of them. That's so, right. That is right. That is right. That well, is right. I, you know, again, we're, we're, we're wanting to throw this year out, Drew, but there is still the future. Um, you know, there's and speaking of the future, there's been a lot of talk about this upcoming offseason with NIL and the and the transfer portal and everything. Um, and it's about to be an absolute circus, if you ask me. Um, I don't know if you want to start with the I guess you can start with the Mark Stoops comments, but, you know, that'll lead us right in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and I was going to go back to his exact quote, uh, the words that he said, because there, there are several different, um, you know, quotes there. Jordan, do you have that pulled up? I was going to look and see. Yeah. No, um, go ahead. Read that off. You got it. Yeah. So, and again, this is in response to just the transfer portal in general. But um, he said, how would you like to operate an NFL team where all 85 players are free agents every year? And that's that's what we have. I mean, yeah. everybody's a free agent, and I, I just I don't understand it. I hate the I hate the world that we're going into with college football. Yeah. Um, and you know we we talk about the the stuff from Steve Wilfong, who's one of the most well connected recruiting guys out there. Yeah. And, yeah. and and he tweeted out about some elite players are expected in the portal with destinations on where they'll land already being planned. Because yeah. um, again, you get situations like. Like Texas A&M. I mean, obviously, everybody knows they bought the number one recruiting class. Well, and, and, and it has not worked out well for the Aggies, obviously. But we, we kind of thought that would happen on the front end. Just you're, you're using a locker room of players that are already on campus. And now whoever their starter is has some kid coming in behind him that's a true freshman with a million-dollar NIL deal. Yeah. And yeah. you're just going to create locker room issues. And we've seen a bunch of them for the Aggies I mean they had another one this week with a with a kid supposedly didn't that he was wearing arm sleeves um so he was not Moose. allowed to play Moose Muhammad yeah I mean we're talking one of their best players the last few games and he didn't get to play in the game because he wore arm sleeves according to yeah. him and his and his Twitter sure account. sure we all believe that yeah yeah, yeah. Sure, why not yeah, yeah. There, there obviously there's got to be something more to that story um yeah at least I yeah. would hope so but yeah. Regardless, you're you're going to create issues with your locker room, and so I think you're going to see more of the stuff that that really, you know, as much as I didn't like a And M buying their recruiting class, what was even worse to me was the the USC stuff. And when I say USC, I know we're talking to SEC fans, so I have to clarify: Southern mm -hmm. California, not South Carolina. So mm -hmm. Lincoln Riley out, out at USC, basically one he, he took OU's quarterback um, with a big NIL deal. But there were already announcements from big people at ESPN that Jordan Addison, the, the Bolitnikoff winner at Pittsburgh, 
was transferring to USC for a big NIL deal. And that was before he was even in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what Steve Wilfong was talking about was we are going to see a whole lot of backdoor NIL transfer portal deals where you're going to see big time players move schools to get a big deal. I mean, it's free well, agency. Yeah. And so, so, you know, and, and what I was thinking, uh, I was reading Stoops comments. I was reading, it's funny because they're all getting, you know, all the coaches are being questioned on this now because we have the December 5th <clears throat> transfer portal kind of opens up again here in just a couple weeks. And so all these coaches are starting to think about it. It's starting to come on the forefront. But, you know, I laugh because, you know, like we're playing Ole Miss this week. Okay, Ole Miss had – they took 17 uh, transfer players <clears throat> last year. Many of them start this year. LSU took 15. Guess what both of those teams' records are right now? They're both 8-2 and two at this point yep. in the SEC. Instant success. And I thought – I'm going to read a couple quotes by Pittman for Monday – he was asked about the the NIL stuff and then also the transfer portal. And he's always been kind of a guy that's, hey, if I've got a starter on campus, an elite player, and he's locked up a position, I don't want to upset that guy. That's his position. I want to be loyal to him. But here's how college football is changing, Jordan. And listen to this quote right here. He said, but now I think if you have a really good player, regardless of what position he is, and he wants to come, you take him before – I wouldn't do that. Before, I was like, no, I'm going to be loyal to these guys. They're plenty good enough for us to win the SEC and stuff like that. But part of that, too, has become with all the injuries that we've had this year, your backup better be as good as your starter or close to it. And he also went on to say, if you're trying to build a program within four or five years, you get to year three or whatever, and you're gone. Everybody wants to win right now. So, yes, mm. I think it has changed the way that I've looked at the transfer portal. So, that's Pittman, who we took eight guys last year. They've all contributed in some way. But he admitted that day one had already started on the transfer portal now. I mean, I, look, all these deals are happening right now. We'll find out about them, you know, on oh, yeah. the 5th and beyond. But they're happening yep. right now. Like uh, Will Fong said, you know, if, if, you're, if the coaches aren't doing this right now, they're already behind the game. For sure. And, uh, and I think about Mark Stoops' comment, Jordan. He was talking in regards to his offensive line and how essentially, you know, you can – you get a couple of these guys. I mean, say if you go out and get three transfer offensive linemen that are serviceable guys, you could change your entire unit in one year oh, yeah. instead of taking oh, yeah. a bunch of high school guys. So football is forever, forever changed. Well, and, and eventually they're, they're going to have to come up with some sort of regulations. And, and you know, COVID kind of started this with the whole – you know, free transfer rule, um, man, I, 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 I want to see it gone because it's, it's a great deal for somebody who's a backup somewhere. And he's like, man, I can start somewhere else. Okay. I'm fine with that. That's not what we're going to start seeing. The thing I'm scared about is you're going to see starters at, at let's say Kentucky, you know, somebody who all of a sudden, man, that's a star quarterback, whatever. Well, Alabama's like, wow, yeah, he's good. You know what? Yep. We'll go, we'll go ahead and buy him with an NIL deal. Cause we're going to, we're willing to spend the money. Um, yep. and, and you're going to see that you're going to see big schools that, that have bigger NIL programs just flat out buy the best players off smaller schools. And it is going to ruin the parody of college football and, and honestly just ruin the sport in general. I, well, yeah. And, and you, you mentioned it right there, the COVID year. So this is just in the SEC, Jordan. And this kind of blew my mind, but quarterbacks in the SEC, how much eligibility do they have left? We all probably think one thing. 
But guess what? Remember that Kobe year didn't count. K.J. Jefferson, two more years after this year. Spencer Rattler, two more years. Bryce Young, two more years. He'll go to the NFL. Anthony Richardson, two more years. Will Rogers, two more years. Good grief, Will Rogers has been there for 20 years already. Will Levis. He's 35. Yeah, Will Levis, one more year. (laughs) Jaden Daniels, one more year. So that's just in the SEC. So just out of that group right there, I mean, is your starting quarterback safe, Jordan? I mean, it's like – Trust me, if anybody knows that he's not, it's 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 OU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – you know, I sit here and think about K.J. Jefferson, the guys from Sardis, Mississippi, which is 30 minutes from Oxford. It makes yep. me nervous. I mean well, – you, I mean, look at the know? guys you listed too. Jaden Daniels is on that list. That was Arizona yep. State starter. Uh, yep, it's just Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I mean, you, know, yeah. you, look, at a, you look at all these guys, and it, it's just – it's outrageous. And the amount of money being raised, and we talk about this off air – you know, Mississippi State raised like $3 million in like 62 hours. I mean, OU's got their fund going. Arkansas's got their fund going. This is yep. big, big, big money. And, again, I am not – I want to make this clear. I am not opposed to these kids making money. They absolutely should. They, you know, they spend a lot of time with football. The, the universities make a ton of money off of them. I am fine with them getting paid. I am not okay with the system that we have in place um, where it's just the Wild West free agency. I mean, even the – NFL has a has a you know salary cap. Um, yeah. I, I'm fine with NIL. I just think that they're going to have to figure out a way to regulate it. And whether it's the NCAA or not, maybe it just needs to be the conferences themselves. Like, hey, we're going to regulate. It. And honestly, that would work better because with the with the conferences doing it, they can they can flat out actually punish people. Like the NCAA, they they have no teeth. They're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna do anything. Yeah. Um, we've seen that LSU's still running their program like normal. And, um, yeah. you know, there were plenty of schools like Georgia, A&M, LSU that were just spending money on players before NIL was even a thing and nothing ever happened. I mean, a yeah. lot of that was fairly public knowledge, especially with LSU, nothing happened. So it, it's gotta be the count, the conferences themselves that just say, Hey, look, we're not going to allow this. Let's, Let's tone it down and, and yeah. let's come up with some some ground rules. Yeah, yeah. So. And, it, you know, and a couple things to remember as we jump off the topic. But so for those that don't know much about the portal, so December 5th it opens. And also the rules have changed. They were limited to, what, Jordan, 25? And now there's no cap. So you just have to stay oh. under 85 or under now <laughs> as a total yeah. roster. So they can take – if you want to take freaking 50 transfers, you could. You could. So it's yep. wild. Wild Wild West. Well, uh, again, we could we could probably spend the entire pod on this, Drew. But let's uh, let's move into our top five games of last week. Uh, do a little update on that. Um, obviously, Bama Ole Miss, great game. Went down to the wire. Uh, you know, for me, you know, we both picked Bama on this one. For me, I was actually more impressed with Ole Miss than I was Bama. I, Bama is very, for them, very average this year. I think they're yeah. very beatable. That being said, Ole Miss showed me more than I expected out of that game. Um, so I, I, I was, I was more impressed with Ole Miss than I expected. Yep, I agree, and, and I think just, just, just solidified that Alabama is not the same Alabama team as normal. So uh, you know they've got major problems, and uh, you know it's it just, it's really like you said last week, the skill positions, particularly wide receiver, are not very good this year. No, well, then Georgia just, you know curb stomp yeah. Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was close at halftime. It was close at halftime because of return. But Thanks uh, to the punt return at the end. Yeah. yeah. But, yes. I mean, 
Mississippi State really, for the majority of that game, did very little. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, one of the more disappointing teams in the SEC for me this year. I I thought they were going to be, a, you know, a real. I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to say contender, but I thought they they put put in some work and maybe t- knock off one of those top dogs. And but the, I mean, when they played the big one, Bama, Georgia. I mean, they haven't even been yeah. haven't even been in the game. So no, I know. I agree. And speaking of not being in the game, K State Baylor. We I mean, we both picked Baylor. And Baylor, man, they they definitely did not pick themselves. No, no, this was a good Baylor showed up, or sorry, good Kansas State showed up in this one. And uh, Baylor, again, they just kind of continue that streaky, weird um, performance. You know, where we we don't know who's going to show up week to week. I mean, Shapen did not look good. Two interceptions. Um, and Kansas State just they just they play flat out well. They play good defense again, forced turnovers, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean K State, man, they they've had a solid year at seven and three. Yeah, and I think you know if they finally wise up, they will just stick with Will Howard at quarterback over Adrian Martinez. But we'll see. Hey, um, by the way, if you're a K State fan, you listen to this. If you text me or Jordan, we have no clue what EMA or whatever uh, means. So, uh, <laughs> so please please explain your weird cultish vibes to us, please. We we'd love to hear it. So, um. TCU, Drew, you picked TCU to lose for the third week in a row, and they just <laughs> they just keep proving you wrong. Well, I'm not doing it again. I've learned my lesson. I told you off air. TCU, ten and zero. Man, they have been through a gauntlet, and a lot of that does have to do with uh, I give the, the Big Twelve credit with the parity. But uh, man, it, and they play Baylor this week, which we'll talk about. But man, it is a it is a gauntlet that they've gone through, and and a tough win, man, in Austin. Uh, Man, I mean, and who who thought uh, Max Duggan would be as good as he is? He didn't play great, but man, he is just he's managed games well. He's not doing anything to kill him, and so uh, man, just a unbelievable. And you know, 199 total yards by Texas, that ain't gonna get it done. And so they're gonna they they got to do better than that. Well, and you, you got bad Quinn Ewers version. So yeah, you did, and that's never good. Yeah. Um, but then the only game that you and I actually picked different last week was the group of five game, which I'd throw on here with UCF Tulane. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, it was a good game. I, you know, I was very close to picking Tulane, but decided to go with UCF, and yeah, it, yeah. it worked out on my favor. So to update the the standings right now, I am thirty four and twenty one. And two games ahead of you at when you're 32 and 23. So Boy, I tell you what, we're, we we better uh, we better start getting moving here, Jordan. I tell you, we're running out of time, my friend. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk a little stock up, stock down, and we'll we'll talk actually a little bit of running out of time. I guess we can start with uh, with our little list of "I'll be home for Christmas." I don't know. How do you want to sing it? I'll be home <laughs> for Christmas. Here we go, man. Let's that talk about it. That was beautiful. Thank well, you, I, and the reason I mentioned this to Drew before this weekend's game, so because when I looked at the slate, I was like, well, there's there's several teams that are probably going to be, you know, home for Christmas. And when I say home for Christmas, obviously we're talking about teams that are not going bowling. So they have picked up that seventh loss. They're not gonna not gonna have a six and six or better record. Um, the games I was looking at was one West Virginia, but of course they upset the Sooners. That was that was fun for me. Um, the big one for Vandy knocking off Kentucky. So they, they stay at six losses. The only game that we were assured was, uh, I guess you can call it the toilet bowl. Cause it's the only bowl game. One of them will be in. Um, but it was Auburn, Texas A&M both sitting at yep. three and six on the year. 
loser of that game was gonna gonna be home for Christmas. And so now our uh, our list contains one team. I thought it'd be more, but right now it is the Texas A and M Aggies, number six to start the yep. season, and number one on our home for Christmas list. Jordan, do you think do you think Jimbo will have a traditional Christmas, or do you think he'll go with something different? I mean, at home, or do well, you think he'll do like an Italian, like pasta I'll thing tell, deal, or what? I'll tell you what, he's not going to let any of his family members wear arm sleeves to his Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, so. real quick on your on your list too. Outside of the SEC, we should uh, wish uh, give well wishes because they'll be sitting at home with Grandma as well here. Arizona State, Boston College, Cal, Colorado. Indiana, Nebraska, Northwestern, Stanford, A&M, Virginia, Virginia Tech, all punched their seven Oof. losses. There you go. There you go. Well, have a happy holidays, guys. There you go. Um, happy holidays. As for the rest of the Big 12 SEC, let's do some stock up, stock down for the ones that still have a chance at the bowl game. I'm going to beat you to the punch again, Drew. I'm going to throw you on the stock down. Um, just a brutal brutal loss at West Virginia <laughs> I mean you know at this point you really can't get any lower um if you're OU I mean that was that was really that was literally rock bottom you because again West Virginia's not a bad team we talked about the parody in the Big 12 but they're they're not as good as either Oklahoma State or Texas Tech which is who the who the Sooners still have left so Mm-hmm. If OU doesn't win at least one of those games, they they might be joining that home for Christmas list. So I, I've yeah. got to stock down on Oklahoma. Yep, yep. And I'll I'll go ahead and give one to Baylor. Kind of already re- reiterated it earlier, but Baylor's just again Jekyll and Hyde this year. They're six and four. I could easily see him being eight and two. I could also see him being four and six. I mean, you yep. know, they're just a weird team, and uh, just just not the year that Dave Aranda wanted to have. But definitely. You know, a stock uh, stock down after coming off that OU uh, win from the week before. Well, and and uh, you and I jumped on the train of Texas with uh, they had a home game. They were over a seven point favorite against TCU. You know, they had a lot of momentum, and and, and again, it's Texas, so the media wants to buy in. But man, stock down on Texas—that's their fourth loss of the year. Yeah, um, I mean, you're paying the under on that one for their over under win total for the season. Cause it was, they were at eight and a half and mm. you know what me being from an OU fan, I, I bet the under on Texas this year. What so, uh, is Texas back Jordan? Uh, I thought Texas was back, man. So yeah, I guess that's, not. That's, that's what people thought, but apparently they are not. So, okay. Okay. No. Well, I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I, and I'm, I'm going to jump in there on the big 12. Yeah. I'm going to give Iowa state uh, a stock down and, and the reason, it may feel like we're kicking a dead horse here, but <laughs> They should have. They should have won this game, Jordan. I mean, they should have beat Oklahoma State, and they would be five and five at that point. And yeah. instead, they're four and six. They lost the game. Spencer Sanders kind of came in and saved it at the end, but they should have won this game. And, and honestly, I looked at the score when they were winning. And I'm like, well, maybe Matt Campbell is going to salvage the season. You know, maybe he's going to pull something out of his hat. Nope, they just they faltered down nope. the stretch, and it's a really disappointing job. Matt Campbell went to the other went to the other end to pull something out. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I mean, but give give Oklahoma State credit they didn't they didn't really have Spencer Sanders and they found a way to win and obviously he right. came in for a little bit of the game to provide the spark they needed to come back. But yeah, give him give him credit. Um, yeah, sticking with the Big Twelve, I, I, I've got stock up on on, on the Purple Powers, K State throttling Baylor and then TCU. Big win on the road in Austin. Um, so I got stock up on both of those. 
Yep. Yep. Agreed for sure. And, uh, man, I think I'm going to jump into the SEC next and kind of give our – let's start with our stock downs in the SEC for the week. I'll go ahead and beat you to that punch as well. I'm still going to give Arkansas a stock down simply because we cannot put two together. We can't put offense and defense together. Uh, it's, it's, you know, again, I'm happy that uh, we only lost by three to a top ten team. But, man, if we could ever – the story, if we could put the TCU – or, sorry, the TCU, the uh, – BYU uh, offense performance together and the LSU defense together, we would be a, a playoff team. But uh, but anyway, we're not. And uh, just another stock down uh, for the Hogs this week. Yeah. And, you know, this one, again, Mississippi State played Georgia. So there's, there's no real shame in losing the number one team in the country. But I'm still going to go stock down on the Bulldogs just because I, I had them higher on, on my board. And – they are once again playing a big opponent and not competitive. And I, personal disappointment with that team. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I just, I don't know, something about Shane Beamer just drives me nuts sometimes. I'm giving him a big stock down. I mean, he, he just, he's just smoke and mirrors in South Carolina. I'm sorry. If you're a South Carolina fan, you listen to this, I'm sorry. But it's just gimmicks and smoke and mirrors from him. Oh, all they're the time, bad. I feel like. And, but they are absolutely horrible. Spencer Rattler is horrible. Uh, Anthony Richardson showed up and showed out on Saturday. But I just – I get so tired of this whole act from Beamer, like it's him against the world. And he does enough where people are just like, oh, they're such a fun and exciting, flashy team. But they're not. They're horrible. No. Their offensive what? coordinator is terrible. Oh, yeah. No, that that offense is atrocious. And you look at – look at their wins, Drew. I mean, they, they beat three teams without a pulse in their non-conference. You're talking yep. – you know, Charleston, Southern, and Charlotte. I mean, bad teams. And then you get in the SEC, they beat Kentucky without Will Levis when he was yeah. out. And and let's be honest, Kentucky's not very good either. Yeah. Um, next, next down. Yeah. 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 They beat, yeah, they beat Vanderbilt and they beat AM. And even in the AM game, and that their offense looked awful in that game. They just happened to jump out to a quick 17 nothing lead thanks to some just sloppy play from the Aggies. And, and they still barely managed to hold on to that one. Yeah, so yeah, there, yeah, there's been nothing impressive about South Carolina. But again, they that would, they were at six wins. They had just beat AM, and the pollsters decided to put them in the rankings, which was yeah, just man, no, that yeah. that's a bad team. I I completely agree. Um, now, I, I know this is one that you always like to do, Drew, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for you. And I'm gonna go stock down on Missouri. You know, I was I I was disappointed because they were one of my picks for for the bets. This week, I had them plus 21 against Tennessee, and things looked good when they were down 28-24 midway through the third quarter. And then I don't know what happened, but they must have just decided, okay, good enough. Because they, they lost that game 66-24. to And yeah. it was ugly. Yeah, and I'll give a stock down to Eli Drinkwitz in that game because he whined and complained about how uh, Heupel ran the score up. But uh, you know what? Give me a break because – Drinkwitz is always running his mouth, and I love that Heupel just poured it on. And look, Heupel, you know, made a comment towards style points. But look, they're they're playing to be in the playoffs, so every win is important, and the way they win is also important. So more power to Josh Heupel uh, for for burying Eli Drinkwitz on that. Yeah, well, and and my final stock down is going to be Kentucky. I mean, Wolf. that's Wolf. that very you know honestly, Kentucky reminds me a lot of South Carolina. Just Showed promise early and then just, I don't know, face planted. But that's yeah. a 
that's a bad team. Will Levis, we, we talked about last week. I mean, just not not what he was supposed to be, that's for sure. You know, it, it just – we've talked about Will Levis. I mean, he I know, we know he's playing hurt and all that good stuff. But the sad part is, you know, his O-line is absolutely terrible. And so every week he's running for his life. And I was telling you before the pod that somebody mentioned that Will Levis should opt out this week because they have Georgia. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah. he, his health – his health is in question this week. And so, but man, they're bad. Mark Stoops, they interviewed him after the game. I mean, for the first time in his career, I mean, cause this was no doubt Mark Stoops worst loss of his career, but um, that he, he literally just said he's, he can't figure out this thing. And man, they're a weird team. Absolutely terrible loss by Kentucky. Yep. Well, I'll go a little more positive stock up uh, at Georgia, which I'm going to, I'm going to move right past because again, they, they're just rolling right now. That's not a very exciting pick. I mean, their stock's going to stay up. Um, but I'm going to go stock up on Auburn. You know, that's a team that could e- easily just close up shop. But Cadillac Williams has rejuvenated that program. I mean, that that stadium was rocking. For a 3-6 and six team versus a 3-6 and six team, that was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, Auburn is not real sexy on offense either. But they, they did enough to win the game. And they, they really dominated the game against A&M. Yeah, they did. It was funny about that is I noticed they, they tweeted out that on Monday they already had pictures of uh, of the A&M uh, of the win with Cadillac up in the uh, football offices and framed and all that. I mean, it, it was a big it was a big win for Cadillac, man. I'm happy for him. And yeah, he deserves he deserves it. No doubt. It, whoever takes over next, whether it be Lane Kiffin or uh, who else, uh, who keep, else keeping him on staff. Yeah, you, you got to keep Cadillac, man. You got to yep. keep him. Um, I give a stock up to Vanderbilt, man. Great win. Honestly, it looked like they were not going to pull it out, but man, they gritted it out and they did it with their backup quarterback, Jordan, with Mike Wright. And so, uh, man, who could have seen that coming? Who could have seen it coming? Seriously, Clark in, in Lexington too. And I mean, Clark Lee was very emotional after the game. I loved what he said. He said, we're trying to build a program. It takes time. I'm glad these kids got rewarded. So good, good for them for the win that they got on Saturday. I'll also give a big stock up to Florida. Um, it was good to see Napier getting some some success, especially after all the hype I gave him earlier in the year. But, uh, you know, he I liked it. They won big. And uh, Anthony Richardson really played really solid. Yep. All right. Well, that was that was it as far as my stock's up and down. Any, any more you got, Drew? I'm done, man. I'm, nope. I'm done. <laughs> well, then let's, uh, let's move on to our Ask the Librarian segment for the week. It's time to ask the librarian. All right. Well, this week, our Ask the Librarian segment is going to come from an Arkansas fan, uh, the lovely Audrey Waddell, which is Drew's mother. So she <laughs> has, uh, she, she also mentioned that her favorite host on the pod was me. So I yeah, oh, just, oh, just mom, FYI, Drew. Mom, come on, mom. What, what the heck? Come on. Come on, Drew. You knew. You knew. Yeah. I mean, everybody's favorite is you, Jordan. Everybody's yeah. favorite is you. Of course. Of course. So, and, and and we both really like this question, but, you know, she, she asked, how do you play football well enough that you're able to earn a scholarship to a major school? You know, a, a dream opportunity. You sweat. You put in the hard work. And then you just, you know, you have games where teams just don't look like they care. You know, down weeks, whatever it is but basically look like they don't want to play, not willing to put in the work. Um, 
Drew, it's, it's, it's your mother. I'm going to let you start. Yeah. You know, the first thing I thought of mom, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the awesome, uh, awesome input here. And I, I agree, mom, it's, it's been painful to watch our, our pigs, but, uh, you know, I think, I think sometimes I was thinking about that this on Saturday, actually, ironically, I, you know, I woke up in Fayetteville and looked outside and, you know, there's snow on the ground. It's, it's 28 degrees outside. You know, I was thinking about being a player, right? So, you know, you're, you're basically sitting there, you're, you're, you're five and four, you've had a downer season, you know, things aren't going the way you want. You got to go out and freeze your absolute tail off. Your starting quarterback's not playing, you know, how, how do you get up for a game like that? And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's tough. And we we don't get to see these guys' rigorous schedules day in and day out, you know, that kind of thing. Although I don't have complete sympathy because, I mean, it is still school. But, I mean, they, they do have a job, I mean, that they do. And so I understand that there's a lot that goes into it. But I don't know. I, I think there's burnout. I think at the beginning of the season, the hype train is there. Big, you know, it's going to be a new year. Everybody's excited. The fans are excited. The weather's great. Yada, yada, yada. And then you get into the middle part of the season. You know, the real identity starts to come through for the football team. You know, problem players start to fall off the wagon, maybe. Or your team gets stronger together. It's, you know, one of the two, you know. And so I, I just think as the year goes on, it has a way of weeding out the true colors of, of a lot of players and, and coaches. And honestly, leadership it proves you know leadership on a team and and who's going to step up and lead but for me personally if I was a player I mean I would just be thankful for the opportunity but again I hate to link this back to NIL and things like that I I don't know if these guys value their opportunity like they used to Jordan yeah totally agree I mean you you're you're dealing with a lot of mercenaries these days and again and that's that's why you've seen so many issues at A&M and Miami teams that are big NIL teams you know these kids do not – and this is my biggest problem with it. These kids do not care about the team on their chest anymore. You know, right. when you're going to play for money, that's that's what you're there to play for. You're not there playing for your team for the most part. Um, yep. It's it's not – again, I don't really care as much about the NFL at all. Uh, and this is why. You know, I love the passion of college. I love playing for the team on your chest, not the paycheck. Um, but, you know – as going back to the original question, you know, part of it, you know, Barry Switzer said it's impossible to get 18 to 22 year old kids up for 12 games a season. I mean, you just mm-hmm. can't. There's you're going to automatically you go in and you play, you know, OU Texas. Yeah. Your team's your team darn well better be up for that game. Yeah. But then you got to go back and go on the road to Manhattan, Kansas, play K-State, which regardless of them having a good year or not, it's not a sexy opponent. It's a tough game for OU to get up for it. K-State's made them pay for it several times. Um, But it's never going to be a a game that that OU's going to easily get up for. And that's that's part of it. But, you know, as much as I hate that, because as a fan, it's like, man, my passion's there. Why are they not? I I don't honestly hate it as much because you realize that's kind of what makes college football great. Because, again, if if you take some of that away, you're going to take away the upsets, which – that's the best part of college football. I mean, right. I would much, I would love to see Vanderbilt knock off Alabama. If, if Vanderbilt's got a shot to beat Bama in the game, I guarantee you, I'm watching that game over Bama, Georgia, and a tight one down the stretch. I mean, yeah, Clash of the Titans is fun, but who doesn't love the big upset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. And it, you know, it is a shame that some of these kids don't play for the the name across their chest. But 
you know, it's always going to come down to who values their opportunity more for less than the other. And, uh, you know, this is just going to be a problem we continue to see in college football as it changes. Um, I guess that's all That's all I have to say about it, Jordan. Yep, same. Good deal. Well, hey, we have a special guest this week. Chris Hudgison of K8 News here in Jonesboro, Arkansas, is going to join us to talk a little bit of general college football, NIL, the SEC, the Sun Belt, you name it. ASU fans, this might be the week that you get a little bit of talk about those Red Wolves as well. All right, Blitz listeners, thanks for uh, joining us again today. Uh, I know we've already introed him, but Chris Hudgison joins us. He is our local sports anchor here with Region 8 News. Chris, just jumping in to start off with, give us a little bit about your background, where all you've been. I know you've kind of been all over the South, but give us a little bit of background on, on kind of what you're doing today and where you've been the last several years. Whew, I, I, my, my, I guess my sports, I guess, television career starts way back in, I guess, in terms of on-air. 2008, I was working at WTVM Columbus, Georgia. So my weird assignment that year was to cover every Auburn home football game in 2008. So I went from the <laughs> ringer from the start of the season covering college game day coming to town because Auburn was playing LSU. And then at the end of the season, Tommy Tuberville got fired and there was almost a riot in Auburn. So <laughs> that was my first year in the sports television business being on the air. I was like, okay, I guess this will be this will be quite interesting. So they well, had, it'll be uh, there, Chris. I mean, Auburn's Auburn's firing a coach pretty much every other year anyway. So that could have been <laughs> that could have been almost any time. That's true. I was like, that was that should have warned me in advance. I was like, well, we I've kind of known growing up in that area, growing up around. No, that's Columbus, Georgia is my hometown. I, I call it a mini SEC. Like you have the United Nations. I would call my hometown Columbus, Georgia, the mini like SEC nation because you have just about every fan base you would think of in that hometown. So for folks that don't know where this is, Columbus is on the Alabama-Georgia border. I'm You're 40 minutes away from Auburn. You're two hours away from Tuscaloosa. You're about two hours away from Athens. But then for some odd reason, all these other SEC fan bases live there. So there are Tennessee fans living there. There are LSU fans living there. I randomly, you'd, you'll drive around town and randomly see Ole Miss and Mississippi State flags there. So if folks were wondering why, we'll go way back in the, in the vault of random knowledge that I know. The <laughs> Auburn-Georgia series used to be played in my hometown in the 20s and thir- 1920s and 1930s. Wow. So I guess that I guess the love of SEC football in, that, in my hometown kind of started there. So so anyway, yeah. went from no went from Columbus, moved here to to Jonesboro in 2009, and at that time I was mostly covering Arkansas State just for geography reasons. I mean, we're goodness, we're like four hours and change from Fayetteville, but you know, mm-hmm. having a, a Division One school ten minutes away from our station made my life a little bit easier. Just cover Arkansas State football. And that was the beginning. So I covered the five coaches in five years era. So I was there when it went from Steve Roberts to Hugh Freeze to Gus Malzahn to Brian Harson to Blake Anderson. I covered all of them to the point where I almost hated the first week of December because the coach had changed every year. And so it was like waiting for that dreaded phone call. It's like, hey, we are hearing the coaches going like, oh, joy. So you know, covering that run was a lot of fun. I mean, the five coaches in five years angle, you know, got to see, you know, Demario Davis, play, who's playing now for the Saints. I covered him playing at A-State. So, and J.D., a little bit of J.D. McKissick, too, now playing for Washington. Mm-hmm. So, 2014 rolls around. I get a job offer 
in Jackson, Mississippi. I took it, and the first year I covered was probably the most bizarre year of college football in the state of Mississippi, where Mississippi State and Ole Miss were both in the college football playoff top five to open the year. Mississippi State was number one. So I got to cover, like, the the, the Dak Prescott run with Mississippi State. So mm-hmm. that was absolutely fascinating. Got to end up covering New Year's Six in the process with, uh, I think it was Ole Miss playing TCU in the Peach Bowl. So mm-hmm. let's just say I've covered quite a bit of SEC and Sun Belt <laughs> football over the years. I was in Mississippi, I think, from 2014 to 2018. Uh, got an opportunity to, to come back to Jonesboro. My, you know, my my wife's from my wife's from Jonesboro. I met her here the first time I was here. So having a chance to come back here and you know could start raising a family. I mean, that was kind of hard to turn down. And you no, know, still having a Division One school in town makes my life a lot easier in trying turn terms of trying to plan content and what to do and things like that. Absolutely, well, yeah. Chris, I know uh, Drew and I've had a couple discussions on it during the during the last few weeks on the pod but talking about the uh since you brought up the Sun Belt talking about the top group of five conference now Drew Drew's gonna fight me saying it's the Sun Belt I've said it's the American you you probably watched a lot more Sun Belt football than we have do you do you have a take on who the top group of five conferences I would be kind of biased and say the Sun Belt but if you go top to bottom I would say the Sun Belt because <laughs> Not just conference play. Now, conference play has kind of been everybody beat up everybody, so nobody has a really good record. <laughs> but top <laughs> to bottom, I would argue the Sun Belt is better right now than the American. Because of the non-conference wins, that bizarre week in September, early in the year, where I was up in Columbus, Ohio, covering Arkansas State, play Ohio State better than anybody gave them credit for. They yep. covered the spread and then some. Then I'm, I'm driving back from Ohio and catching up on other games and then realizing Marshall beat Notre Dame, Appalachian State beat Texas A&M within hours of each other. So, yep. you no, know, seeing like that happen where the bottom half, I would say top to bottom, Sun Belt. If you're just saying, hey, who's the best of the top half, I would give the edge to the American. But in terms of who is a better conference top to bottom right now, I would say the Sun Belt because of – know how much the conference has just morphed the last couple years i'll give you a perfect example because if you're saying i'm saying top to bottom i'll give the sun belt the edge the last place team in the sun belt has three wins the last place team in the american has one hmm. yeah american yeah, has fair. a bunch of teams but it's like okay top to bottom the sun belt has just performed better in terms of what matters most how many wins you got in the column but yeah. the last couple years the conference has morphed even before the realignment happened I would pencil it in around – I would start it whenever Louisiana kind of made this transition of – because early on when Arkansas State was winning a bunch of Sun Belt titles and it was called the Fun Belt, it was just if you have the most skilled position players, you're going to win the conference. Defense and offense really didn't matter as much. As long as you had a stud quarterback, some good, a good enough wide receivers and a good enough running back, and if you had mm-hmm. good enough players in the back half on defense – you're okay. You're going to find a way to win a championship. Mm. But a couple years ago, it really just changed where it became a line of scrimmage league and Louisiana was the trendsetter in it where Louisiana and Appalachian state figured out, Hey, if we have big old offensive and defensive linemen, we can kind of, you know, ground and pound our way to championships and it's worked. 
And so now it's kind of like how you've heard for so many years, the NFL is a kind of a catch up kind of league where it's like, okay, somebody makes a trend. Now everybody else has to catch up to whoever made the trend. Sunbelt has kind of been the same way where now it's a line of scrimmage league. And the folks that have been kind of left behind right now, Arkansas state is kind of having to regroup in in terms of recruiting because they were kind of, they were built for the previous Sunbelt era where Mm. you got skill position guys, you're going to have a chance to win. Now they're find themselves in a conference where you've got to have a chance on the lines of scrimmage to have a chance to even win, go to a bowl game, much less win the conference. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. And that's good insight. I tell you, that's a good segue into Chris talking about, you talked about Arkansas state and catching up and recruiting. So we have talked a lot on the podcast about, you know, this really hot topic of NIL. Of course, the, the transfer portal itself opens up here in a couple of weeks um, tell us, and obviously you've seen it from an SEC perspective a little bit, but also from a smaller uh, G5 perspective as well. Yeah, you know, how do you see the NIL landscape right now? And then explain it from a, a large scale, like an SEC scale, but also, you know, how does this affect the small schools in the Sun Belt and places like that? And how do they keep up or maintain the pace that's been set by these other schools? Well, point blank, it's going to be incredibly hard because – the SEC are like your SEC schools kind of are already had kind of this footprint, this foundation in place over years and years and years and years of having the foundation of kind of having that synergy between the college, the community advertisers. And it's all kind of looping in where a lot of these SEC schools you're seeing NIL deals immediately. Perfect example. I don't know if you guys saw this uh, Harold Perkins from LSU after he had that monster weekend against Arkansas he already signed an NIL deal there are billboards in Baton Rouge with him I think with a law a local law office in Baton Rouge and it says like five-star <laughs> linebacker five-star lawyer so having yeah, that synergy <laughs> has helped the SEC schools from the jump because it's been ingrained for generations and so long so now on the flip side for Sunbelt schools there are some exceptions to the rule but for the most part you're dealing with programs in smaller towns they're kind of having to play second fiddle to the Power Five programs. There are a couple exceptions. I would say App State's an exception to the rule because of where they are remotely in North Carolina. They're kind of in their own bubble. Marshall's kind of the same way in West Virginia. And I would say Coastal Carolina now in James Madison. Coastal Carolina's kind of made a lot of headway these last couple years simply by winning. And now you've seen it translate in terms of NIL stuff. Coastal Carolina's quarterback, was on a stock car in a NASCAR race. I don't think I would have ever thought that would have happened years ago. So <laughs> that's been the kind of the thing that's kind of, I wouldn't say holding the Sun Belt back, it's just them kind of getting up to speed. So mm-hmm. in the case of Arkansas State, what folks may not have realized, last year, that struggle of a two-win season, they had players signed to NIL deals. Now, it was with local businesses and all. I think Leakin Perry had a NIL deal with Pizza Inn. So on every week, he would do signings at Pizza Inn. It was one of the quirkiest things I've, I've heard of in a long time, but <laughs> that's just kind of what smaller schools are doing. Like the G5 schools are being incredibly creative in terms of NIL to figure out a way to kind of get that pipeline going and starting. So it's a matter of just kind of getting in tune with a lot of these Sunbelt schools in smaller towns now making sure they're kind of on that same page with the local businesses that are interested in NIL opportunities and just finding ways to make it happen. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm all for that. The problem I see, Chris, is there's, there's no way local businesses with a group of five teams are going to be able to keep up with the big boys. And I think you're just going to see a larger and larger disparity. I mean, anytime you get a good player on a group of five team now, you're going to have Alabama be like, you know what? He's good enough to play for us. You know, we'll throw him in a little NIL deal and he'll be gone. And, and basically the group of five is going to start getting treated like the, like the minor leagues with NIL and the portal the way it is right now. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, very locally, it happened with Arkansas State, but on the men's basketball side, we had Norshad O'Meara, who is a generational talent for A-State men's basketball, one of the best players to come through the program in years and years and years. He enters the portal and immediately gets an NIL deal and ends up in Miami. So, mm-hmm. Well, let's be honest, that, that deal was probably made before he hit the portal. <laughs> I think it was too. But the, like to, just to see it happen now more and more often with – group of fives to power fives, the one that's been interesting to me on the basketball side, you're seeing more interconference moves. Now it's happened quite a bit in Sunbelt. It's happening now in Sunbelt football, which has kind of been odd because it usually wasn't that way in the past. So to give to kind of just tied back in locally, it's like Arkansas State, this is the second game this year they're facing a player that was on their roster last year. Mm-hmm. So James Madison game they played a couple weeks back. They had Jarius Romanic in the Duke secondary who played and started for the Red Wolves for a couple seasons. And then this week coming up with Texas State, the aforementioned Lincoln Perry, who had the NIL deal with Pete's in, is now suiting up for Texas State along with uh, quarterback Lane Hatcher. So that's mm-hmm. been the biggest quirk about this NIL and transfer portal is more interconference moves than anything else. I like I, it. Like the rich are going to get richer in terms of NIL because you have the foundation in place. But now on the flip side, the folks in the group of five are now having to figure out ways now to figure out how to retain players, which is kind of hard to do. It just is. That's just the, the, the matter of the deal. But now figuring out ways. OK, now how do we avoid getting re- recruited by our own conference rivals? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and yeah. Drew, we you know, we talked about this earlier on this pod about what Mark Stoops said, you know, it's really tough to, you know, handle a roster where you've got 85 free agents every year. So, yeah, but the full side, really the players cool. are getting paid, and that's what I'm happy about. I don't no, like I agree. At the end of the day, the players are getting paid above the table. Granted, I didn't really mind that much. When the players were getting paid under the table, I really didn't care. I was like, <laughs> with the amount oh, of – with the Chris amount is an of, SEC fan. Yeah, the amount of of revenue that they've produced for the school over all these years, I'm like, go ahead and give them a cut. It's really not going to bother people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, uh, Chris, I have to ask you, a little bird may have told me that you were – are are you a Tennessee fan? Am I right in that? Yes. Okay, Tennessee fan. So, I know you've been loving what's going on this year. Give us your thoughts. We're obviously an SEC Big 12 podcast, so we love to talk about those two conferences. But uh, give us your landscape on the SEC currently, how you think it's played out, and uh, why do you think the Vols have had the success that they have had this year? I'm just happy in the because the years I covered the SEC from 2014 to 18, I I did the SEC preseason poll. I'm so happy I didn't do one this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in terms of Tennessee, I've been in a state of confusement the whole fall because, like, I'm not used to this. Like – I started watching Tennessee when they were bad, which is kind wow. of odd to people. I want to tell people that, like, how long have you been watching Tennessee? I'm like, I went to Neyland 
on a random fall afternoon in 2005 because my brother is a UT graduate. He, he, he was in the architecture program and he, the town I lived in in Columbus, you had so many SEC fan bases that I was essentially a free agent in terms of SEC rooting interests until I got to college because I went mm-hmm. to one college in Georgia that had no football. Imagine how weird that sounds. Mm-hmm. That is strange. Right. But you would see every day, you would see hoodies and T-shirts of every other fan base. Columbus State mm-hmm. didn't have football. I've been, like, beating the drum for that for ages. It's like, okay, you have the the, the, the foundation to go Division One. You may as well try to add football, too. But anyway, yeah. that, that's neither here nor there. So 2005, I end up going to Neyland on a Saturday afternoon. They're playing Ole Miss, coached by Houston Dale Nutt. It was the JP kickoff. So yeah, this is I'm a I'm a SEC old head because I say the I will still say the JP kickoff from time to time instead of eleven or twelve. But <laughs> um, it was a JP kickoff. Tennessee was two games under five hundred, but there were ninety thousand people there. I was sold. I was like, okay, this is kind of this is what I can get down with a ride or die fan base, even though they were terrible and like there was a, it was like staring the barrel of a losing season, but they still were pretty loyal going to games, and that's kind of what yeah. Sold. So fast forward to now, it's just been bizarre because every week I'm kind of waiting for impending doom. Now, granted, yeah. they played Georgia a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, okay, like if they lose, they were supposed to because they're the Georgia's the defending national champions. But if they win, I'm fine because like my wife was asking me, my wife's a big Razorback fan. So my wife was asking me going into the week, she's like, how do you feel about this? I'm like, it's a win-win situation. If Tennessee loses, I'm fine. They're not going to drop that far in the poll unless they get blown out. And if they if they manage to win in Athens, well, everything's fine. So, so it, that's been the fascinating part with Tennessee. The one thing that, that's, in, that's fun is they're fun to watch. So mm-hmm. folks will ask me all the time. They're like, during this whole run of subpar Tennessee football up to now, they're like, well – What's it been like to watch them? It's like it's gone from varying levels of degrees. The Lane Kiffin era was a lot of fun because it was very unpredictable. The Butch Jones era was interesting because they were winning games, and now the bottom half, which is the the, the, the tail end of it, was, was rough, to say the least. The Jeremy Pruitt era was depressing to watch. It wasn't fun at all to watch. It was, we're going to try to be Alabama, but we don't have Alabama's personnel or play-calling ability. So it was just like a slog every Saturday to try to watch it. Josh Heupel's has been a lot of fun to watch because it's unpredictable. It's no huddle. And he said it from the jump. I'm like, we're going to be a fast paced football team. You've heard coaches say it, but they're like, Oh, are, is this really going to happen or not? But then watching how Tennessee's grown, not just this year, but you saw inklings of this last year with Hendon Hooker arriving and them making the immediate progress the way they did. And so just seeing them play as well and as effectively they have this year has been it's been fun to watch Tennessee football, and it's been a while since I've been able to say that. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. And, hey, Chris, we appreciate the insight for sure. We hope to have you back on because I feel like there's plenty more we want to talk about, about the Red Wolves and our conferences, that kind of thing. But we're going to let you go, and uh, we thank you for your time, man, and we hope to do this again very soon, okay? No problem. Take care, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. All right, well, moving right along, we'll, uh, we'll move into our top five games of the week. You know, we considered not even doing it this week because the slate of games is just awful. <laughs> but Drew, <laughs> Drew wants a chance to finally tr- try to catch up to me for this season. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I got to come gonna, back somehow. Power, yeah, we're going to power through this thing. 
So okay, okay. Right, this is gonna hurt. Yeah. This is gonna be painful. I could already tell. It's gonna hey, be painful. You know, I, we'll, I'll start you off with an easy one. We'll go Georgia. We'll go Georgia, Kentucky. Oh man, this is tough. This is this is a tough one right here. I tell you what. Yeah, not tough at all because Georgia, the cream, is rising to the top. And I uh, think what is, what what is this? Uh, let's see. The line here is twenty two and a half. I think the only question here is does Georgia how much do they cover by? So uh, anyway, yeah, Georgia wins big. I'm not even going to say anything about it. It's it's a no brainer. It's Georgia. Yep. No. And hey, this is kind of crazy. This is at Kroger Field in Kentucky. And after last week's devastating loss, we'll, we'll see how many people show up for this bloodbath. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would opt out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see. Um, <laughs> all right, we're gonna, we're going to knock out a, a pair of games. Again, this is how bad the slate is, people. And that we're going to do a pair of games in the Pac-12 this week. Oh, oh, so God. We will oh. start with with the Utah Oregon game. Hmm, this is painful, Jordan. I, I, you know, after I make these picks, I'm going to take a shower immediately. No <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, this is filthy. Okay, well, for because uh, obviously we're well connected on the West Coast here. Uh, all you Pac-12 fans, here we go. This is your time. Uh, Utah and Oregon. You know this one. Let's see. This one is indeed at Autzen Stadium. Uh, let's see. Oregon is favored by three. You know this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I'm taking uh, night game in Autzen. Give me Oregon in this one. Give me Oregon. Okay. Hey, no, there's no shame in being wrong. So. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Come on. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take the ducks and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Bo Picks to be okay. Bo Picks and I'm gonna take the Utes to to upset Oregon at home. I like so, it. We gotta be different. All right. Gotta be different. Again, staying with the Pac twelve, USC UCLA, who you got in the in the battle for Los Angeles. Ugh. 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 I'm I'm gonna try to predict the future here because I know who you hate. <laughs> and, uh, so um, you know, I, I don't like either one of this. The Battle of Los Angeles, indeed, it is at the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, oh, gosh, I don't know. I really don't even care. Give me USC at the Rose Bowl because I know you're probably going to pick UCLA. So I want to be different. I want to. You be know, what? I, I know you're trying to make up ground, and you know I'm going to pick UCLA. And sure enough, I'm going to make you right because I'm going <laughs> to pick UCLA. You know, uh, USC. Yeah. USC has benefited from a soft, soft Pac-12 schedule. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying UCLA is very good because they obviously just lost at home to a 3-6 and six Arizona. I'm going to hope it's just because they've been spending so much time preparing for USC. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'm going to take the Bruins. Hey, you know what, Jordan? The, the, real, the real good thing for UCLA is that this, you know, both teams are in Los Angeles and they will actually have fans at the Rose Bowl for this one. So that's, that's good news. That's, That's good. Fair. All right. Well, in a, a surprising clash of the Titans, um, Texas, Kansas. Who's your, <laughs> who's your pick, Drew? Clash. Clash. Keep, of, keeping yeah. in mind, Kansas won this game last year in Austin. Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. It's a battle of Blue Bloods right here. Both teams, man. Blue Bloods. I tell you what. Oh, this game's at uh, Kansas. So, uh, you know, tight, pretty. Pretty tight line. No, it's not. Texas favorite no, by nine, nine actually. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that line. But, man, I am uh, – I've been, like, burnt orange, uh, you know, crazy this past uh, three weeks. But not this week, man. I'm going Kansas to win at home. Woo! And uh, I like it to pull – well, actually, that was going to be one of my upset picks. But I'm taking Kansas to win this one. Texas is trending the wrong direction, my friend. 
I, I like the pick, Drew. I, I definitely like Kansas with the points. That being said, you know, at least Texas – if this was a game where Texas had beaten Kansas last year, I'd, I'd probably consider taking Kansas in the upset. Because Kansas won last year, Texas remembers that game, and I think it's a, it's enough of a motivating factor that they at least figure out a way to win this one. So I, I'm going to take Texas, unfortunately. Oh, man, here we go. I like this. Three games right. in a row. This is good. This is moving week, baby. Moving week. Well, let's, let's get on to the final game, which is sadly probably the best one of the bunch. And it is the rivalry game of TCU and Baylor. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and you keeping in mind, Drew, you picked TCU to lose three weeks in a row. I want you to what? go first on this one. I want you to go <laughs> I want you to go first. I, I bet you do. <laughs> oh, you know, it's a surprisingly low line. Um, it is. It is. Based on how Baylor played last week. I mean, it, it's a two-and-a-half-point line favoring TCU, which – for the number four team that's ten and zero, taking on a six and four Baylor that just got drummed by K State, it's a, you know, it's it's very it's eerily reminiscent of the Arkansas LSU line that nobody understood. Mm-hmm. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, ended up favoring Arkansas because that line was three and a half. I know, um, crazy, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Vegas knows. Vegas knows. So, oh, this one is this one is tough. I, I could go either way. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm going to swing for the fences, and I'm going to take I'm going to take Baylor in the upset, Drew. Okay. You know, you you had your three three swings and three strikes on TCU losing. I'm going to take them to finally lose the, this weekend. You know what? And I told you off air that I'm I'm not picking against TCU again. So uh, and I'm not doing it this week. I'm picking TCU for the first time in a month, and uh, I just believe they're battle tested at this point. And uh, my only fear is that Jordan Baylor was looking ahead last week, and were maybe they were so uh I, so vegas knows something here and so it would not surprise me to see baylor pull this out but uh, give me tcu uh to round out was that is that four games for us that are different out of these games? no yeah yeah it is so impressive this is hey the, you get the u-hauls ready buddy this is moving a week moving a week something's got to give that's well, right all right, I'm not going to be real exciting this week with my upset of the week or my hangover of the week because it's the same game and we just picked it Hangover the week, TCU. They just got a big win in Austin. They're going to be a little bit hungover when they take on the Bears, who, by the way, are my upset of the week. So mm-hmm. let's go okay. Baylor. Okay, I like that. Well, I'm going to go back to the SEC, and we talked about uh, this is the week of uh, the cupcake party in the SEC this week. Uh, every single team decided to play cup- cupcake outside of about two or three teams. But, you know, this is going to be kind of a weird uh, – uh, hangover pick because this team actually has a losing record. However, Auburn is fired up, man. They are jacked. They are sitting here hanging pictures of Cadillac Williams. They are making trophies about beating A&M and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? West Kentucky, they don't care about that. I mean, they're 7-4, and four, and they're rolling in on Saturday for a 3 o'clock matchup at Auburn. I, I just – I think West Kentucky is going to pull it off, Jordan. I think they beat Ooh. Auburn to send them home – for the holidays next week. Wow. That's a that's a big pick. Yeah. I don't I, like it, but it's a big yeah. pick. You never know, my friend. You never know. You okay. never know. Well, fair enough. Well, let's uh let's preview a few of the games for the Big 12 SEC next week. Oh, oh, oh. not so fast. Not so hey, what's oh. our what's our upset? Upset pick. What's our oh, upset my, pick? I, I thought it was I thought yours was Western Kentucky. Oh, no, no, no. That was my hangover. Pick. Hangover. No, sorry. No, no, sorry. My hangover. Now my okay. upset pick, my upset pick. And you know what? My homer roots are coming in, buddy. The hogs oh, are no. winning. 
They are winning Saturday night, guys. I'm telling you, there is no way they lose this game. I can't see it. KJ's coming back. It's going to be cold. Ole Miss will hate how cold it is. And I'm telling you, the Hogs have lost so many games. But I just – really, Jordan, on a serious note, I cannot see them losing another game. They need to get bowl eligible. There's going to be some fire into this team. And I think it'll be a close game. But I I just think Ole Miss is kind of due for a letdown, and I think this might be it. Okay. Fair enough. Well, now we'll move to previewing the games for this week. <laughs> um, we talked TCU Baylor. <laughs> I, I, I respect it. I respect it. We talked TCU Baylor. We talked Texas, Kansas. Um, K-State's at West Virginia, which uh, I think K-State rolls. But, you know, again, OU just went there and did not roll. So, who knows? Um, Texas Tech-Iowa State, which is a sneaky big game because, you know, if Iowa State loses that, like you talked about earlier, they're they're done. They're they're going to yeah. be home for Christmas. Uh, Tech, Texas Tech, on the other hand, they're five and five. They can clinch a bowl game with that game, um, which I would prefer they do because I don't want them next week looking for their bowl game eligibility by beating Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and then, sadly, not one of our top five picks, and that's it. Just it hurts a little bit. Bedlam. You got, you got bedlam. 6.30 kick, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, one of the final bedlams. And somehow OU's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, which I thought was way too much. But yep. that's the line yep. right now. Um, so Get I, your I, bets I, in. I, Get your bets in. You know, Oklahoma State's a little banked up, but Spencer Sanders, I'd, I'd expect him to at least play some in this game. Um, it's – I don't know. I, I have no idea what to expect out of Oklahoma at this point. So, yeah, I guess we'll yeah. we'll just see. Yeah, so I'll let I mean, you kind of take it, us off with the SEC, though. Yeah, sounds good. We've talked Ole Miss, Arkansas, uh, big game, really for for both teams. I mean, Ole Miss still has a lot to play for for a major bowl game. Arkansas is fighting for their lives at this point. So, uh, the last thing they want to do is go to Missouri to to get their their bowl clinching victory. So, big game, going to be absolutely freezing cold. We don't. Jordan we don't need you to tell us about the. We don't need you to tell us about the opponents of Alabama, Mississippi yeah, State, or yeah. Yeah, I must say the rest of this is just absolutely pathetic. Florida Vanderbilt, sneaky, tricky little game there uh, for for Florida. I think uh, it has. It is at Vanderbilt. Um, they'll be as fired up as Vanderbilt fans can get, which all the tens of them will be on a Saturday. But Vanderbilt, interesting little game there. I think Florida. We'll pick that up, which will get, make them seven and four, Jordan, which is which is pretty nice uh, for Napier's first year. Auburn, we've talked about Tennessee, South Carolina. We have not mentioned much. Um, Hendon Hooker will absolutely wipe the floor with uh, South Carolina. Uh, you, we talk about South Carolina being exposed. Boy, this whew, this is a week, man. It's going to be ugly, my friend. If Tennessee is out on a mission, and then our other games are cupcakes, so we will spend zero time on those. Fair enough. Well, let's talk uh, big three bets for the week. I uh, sadly, for the first week of uh, conference play, had a losing record. I, you know, it, it hurt. Uh, went one and two last week. I, I did call Vandy against Kentucky. I had I took Vandy in the eighteen points, and they didn't need any of them. Um, I had Missouri plus twenty one over Tennessee, which we talked about earlier, and you know that looked good for a while, and then it didn't. Um, and then the final pick was A&M plus two against Auburn. I did t- I did talk to you before that game, though, Drew, and I, I did not like that pick once I found out that Devin A. Chain was going to be out for the game. Um, he is A&M's offense, and as you could see, they didn't have an offense after he was out. Um, yeah. They, yeah. 
they finished with 215 yards of offense through and 80 of it came on the final drive when they were down two scores with three minutes left and, and Auburn just went to prevent mode. So yeah, zero offense without Devin Aging. Anyway, none, zero big three bets for this week. Like I said, I like Oklahoma state plus seven and a half at OU. Um, what I actually might like more than that is the over-unders at 64 and a half. It is going to be a freezing cold night game in Norman. I mm. like the under at 64 and a half. So either way you want to play that, I'm going to, as far as my big three bets go, I'm actually going to put the under on the, on the record. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go under at 64 and a half. I think it's the first under I've chosen in a while. Um, again, I like the weather games. They, they help, they help, they help keep the score down. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one that you're not going to like, Drew, because you picked Western Kentucky. But I think Auburn's going to keep their momentum rolling. It's five and a half points. Uh, Robbie Ashford's not a great quarterback by any means, um, but I think they can cover. I think they win this game by at least a touchdown. They'll they'll mm-hmm. figure it out, and, and they again they've got a they've got a win to get a bowl game. So I think there's enough motivation on the line for them. Um, fun fact on Robbie Ashford that I noticed watching their game. He is sixth in the nation as far as quarterback ranking on his passes of 20-plus going down the field. For anything under 20 yards, he is dead last in the country in quarterback ranking. Mm. That is mm. that is a just baffling disparity. Yeah, that's not great. That's not no. great. No, he, he, and, and that tells me it's got to be a whole lot of mechanic issues. Yeah, so, for, sure. for sure. But one, one that you also mentioned, Tennessee, South Carolina – I don't think South Carolina is going to do diddly on offense and Tennessee, regardless, again, I think Missouri is a better defense than South Carolina. Tennessee did not have any trouble there. They're not going to have any trouble this week. I'm taking Tennessee minus the 21 and a half, even with the hook, I'm taking Tennessee on this one. And so there you go. You got the, you got the bedlam under Auburn minus five and a half and then Tennessee minus 21 and a half. So that's, that's the big three bets. Again, I'm, we moved after the, after the final losing week. We're now 13 and five on the season. So hopefully we'll get back on the right track this week. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, hopefully Bedlam goes our way. Hopefully the hogs pull the upset. Uh, Drew, I guess we'll, we'll see you on Saturday. That sounds good. Hey, and A&M fans, I just wanted to remind you real quick before we jump off the pod, you know, in 2030, Jimbo's buyout goes down to 10 million. So, <laughs> So, but that's 2030. So, anyway, that's that's you know, shed a, shed a tear over that. And uh, hey, Chris, thanks for coming on for the interview. And I hope everybody enjoys a really sad slate of games this weekend. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>